who among us doesn't enjoy a good mystery? And especially when solving it means that I get to bring out my competitive side, even if it's just me against the clock, I just can't wait to uncover all the secrets. So June's Journey is a game that is completely up my alley, and I think you'll love it too. In June's Journey, a hidden object mystery game, you play as June Parker, who's on a quest to solve her sister's murder and uncover her family's many secrets. Each chapter brings you deeper into the story, and it's set in the Roaring Twenties, so beyond uncovering clues, you get to experience the glitz and glamour of the time. June's Journey is definitely not a game I play mindlessly, which I love because I get genuinely invested and a lot of it is a race against time, so there's a little fun added pressure of trying to find the clues as quickly as you can in each scene. There are also tons of ways to customize the island that you're on, learn more about the characters, and then new chapters are added weekly, so you really can't run out of things to explore. So if you think you're up to solve this case, download June's Journey for free today on iOS or Android or play on PC through Facebook games. June needs your help, detective. Some of you may think a podcast about representation, it's not for me. But if you're a human being, then the podcast Reppin is for you because we all represent something as people. So are you interested in knowing what you have in common with your favorite actors to best-selling authors and leaders in different genres? On Reppin, you'll meet notable people you think you know, You'll see what they show up for, and you'll see what they represent. It's an insightful, feel-good show, hosted by me, Evelyn. So come and take a listen. Reppin is available wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody. Before we get started, we have some stuff to tell you. Because we've reached the end of Season 1, we are now prepared to release Into the Wilderness, the collection, a complete collection, of songs from Season 1, songs 1 through 12, and we're going to be releasing those digitally uh, within a couple of weeks' time, so definitely stay tuned on Twitter and Facebook where we'll be announcing everything uh, as it is ready to be announced. And you can follow us on either of those platforms at BufferingCast. Also, we are doing a limited run of physical CDs um, of the collection of 12 songs from season one. So we're going to put those up. They are up right now in our store. Um, they're pre-orders. We expect to see those um, in the next couple of weeks and start sending them out. We want to let you know that when you go to the store, it's just bit.ly slash shop buffering, or you can go to bufferingthevampireslayer.com and click on shop. Um, those are pre-orders. They'll only be up until December 18th, um, because that is when we have our live show in New York. And so we're we're going to bring the balance of the physical copies, the ones we have not sold on pre-order to that show. So they may come back online after that, but they may not. It depends on how many we sell. So we just want to let you know, if you want a physical copy, go grab it now before the 18th of December. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. And without further ado, let's get into it. Welcome to Buffering the Vampire Slayer, a podcast where we're watching and discussing every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, one at a time. I am Jenny Owen-Youngs. And I'm Kristen Russo. And this week, we are discussing Season 1, Episode 12, the finale of Season 1, Prophecy Girl. Ah! (laughs) 
Stay tuned at the end of this episode and every episode for an original recap song written by us. Um, so you know what this episode is about if you did not do a rewatch or a first watch before listening to us. This is the episode where Giles discovers an ancient book foretelling Buffy's death at the hands of the master. I, I kind of take issue with this summary description that I copied and pasted. Because, did Giles find it? And also he he doesn't discover it in this episode. He's, yes, Huff he, and Puff. Yeah, Huff and Puff, writer of the IMDb summary. <laughs> Uh, speaking of writers, this episode was written and directed by Joss Whedon. Hooray! Yes, uh, and how. And it was originally aired on June 2nd, 1997. So. Wow. There is a lot to say. Yeah, there's so much to say. I feel so many feelings. I, I want to say that, like, I've enjoyed season one. As you know, if you are a listener of the show, this is my first time through season one, though I have seen episode or uh, seasons two through seven. Um, and I, I, because I know these characters, I really enjoyed it. Um, I really enjoyed every episode that we've watched. But when I watched this episode, I was like, oh, yeah, like I forgot how <laughs> how much better it's going to get. Yeah. I mean, like, I, yeah. I, of course, on some level, I didn't forget because here I am co-hosting a podcast about right. the show i do know that it's wonderful but i really forgot how much i will sob from now until the <laughs> end of the series with just the power of the characters and the power i mean the the writing in this episode the direction in this episode just 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 but like mm -hmm. it's just gorgeous and heart-wrenching and we are going to get into all of that um all of that. Although my first note, and I, this is going to be after yours, so so we can talk about whatever you'd like, Jenny. But my first uh, pen to paper moment was Cordelia, <laughs> Cordelia's parking job in the cemetery. Yeah. Um, but before we get there, <laughs> before we get there, we obviously like we start in the bronze. We start in the bronze mm -hmm. where Xander, ugh, poor Willow. Xander is practicing how he's going to ask out Buffy on Willow, yeah. who is in love with Xander. Yeah. It's a, a deep sad. burn. It's a sad. And this, like, I mean, maybe we can just talk about this whole, like, little tinier arc in the, right. in the episode, right? Because it's sort of like Xander really wants to tell Buffy that he has feelings for her. Willow has feelings for Xander. It's a whole love triangle thing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and... I don't know. I feel like obviously this is a sad moment for Willow because she's just longing for Xander to be saying these words to her. Yeah. Right. So it's really sad. And then, you know, but then we see later in the episode, Xander does, you know, tell Buffy how he feels and asks her if she feels the same way. And she does not. Um, so that's a big blow to Xander. Mm -hmm, Xander's mm -hmm, really mm -hmm. bummed out. I also kind of like just a shout out to how this moment was handled between two friends, because as somebody who gives advice for a living, <laughs> um, I often get the question, I'm in love with my best friend. What do I do? And I feel like Buffy and Xander in this moment, like do what most people do ac across the span of like two years in like one minute. <laughs> yeah, they do a really great job. Until Xander gets unnecessarily mean. Yeah, I understand. I don't know. But it's like, I, 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 it's like, so, but, but the, but Xander's also really self aware in that moment, which is why I, I right. hesitate. But maybe if he could have thought of a different thing to say other than, I guess a guy's got to be undead to make time with you. I mean, maybe if he had even just said something other than make time. Fine, but, 
you just don't like make time. <laughs> yeah, I think that's my problem. Okay. Because I feel like that's a common human thing. I mean, certainly we even do that to each other when we're having a, um, what do you call it? A, a marital dispute? There's a word. I that... don't, I've never even heard of one of those. I, that doesn't sound like a thing. <laughs> but like you Who go. Who have you been having marital disputes with? You... Certainly not me. <laughs> but you, you like instinctively go for the gut. I mean, that's just like what, I'm not saying it's it's right or correct yeah, or that yeah, I yeah. Um, approve of such behavior, but it's like. In, but when I, you're wounded, you lash out. I, I when you're wounded, it. you yeah. lash out. And Xander, he lashes out. He says this shitty thing. And then he immediately, the, like the next thing he says is, I'm sorry. I'm not good at dealing with rejection. So I feel like... Very self-aware. Very self-aware moment. And then just to follow this arc through, right, Willow goes in to yeah. see Xander. Little, um, uh, I almost said goose egg. A little... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a little goose little egg. goose egg. Hidden in the grass. Please <laughs> tell us about the goose egg. A little Easter egg in the scene between Willow and Xander um, is that there's a poster hanging up in the classroom that says just say no, um, which is very funny because Buffy has said no. And then uh, right after that, now Willow says no. Also, I mean, gosh, all of the self-awareness in these teens. Yeah. It's pretty impressive. Way to go, Willow. Not just taking that soft pitch, you know? No, and, and Willow is very str- – like, Willow – they all have like very deep moments in this. Like they mm. all have Willow is very strong in this episode. I mean, that's that's a, one of the first examples of it, right? When she's like, "You know what, Xander? I don't know what would have possibly made you think that I would want to go to the dance when the whole time you're going to want to be there with Buffy." Like, yeah. strong, powerful moment right before that happens. <laughs> Cordelia, she runs into Cordelia in the hallway. <laughs> Cordelia says, I love that outfit. And Willow, without missing a beat, says, no, you don't. <laughs> right? <laughs> and also, to her credit, Cordelia is like, you're right. You're right, I don't, but I need a favor. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a great it's a great moment because it's a strong moment for Willow, but it's also, um, you know, Cordelia and Willow have a relationship now. Yeah. We, we like to see them together. They're yeah. a great pairing. Absolutely. Um, so... Oh, my God. What if they accidentally kiss? Oh, I have. Yeah. We'll get to the sexual tension. We'll get to, <laughs> I don't think they had any in this particular episode. But um, but but I do want to talk about Cordelia um, in the graveyard because we cut, right? We cut from the bronze to, you know, they're like, wonder what Buffy's doing. The usual. And then it Right. Cuts. And it's just the most beautiful scene we've, it's the most beautiful shooting we've seen in yeah. the show to up to this point, this like slow motion fight scene. Yes. It's and like, and the slow motion fall, like the yeah, yeah, scene yeah. starts with her like falling. And the close ups on their, you know, the vampire's eyes and Buffy like smiling after she like pulls the stake out and the vampire like recognizes it. That and then smile. Smiles. So small. Like that alone, like Joss's direction, I would give many awards for that moment alone of like how this is framed with that fucking smile mm-hmm. that she gives to that vamp. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But we see right after she falls, we we cut to a car. Some uh, Someone has gone parking. Is that what? Cordelia next in the graveyard. In- Cordelia goes to the cemetery to make time. <laughs> Make time. See how gross it is? Yeah, well, I didn't think that we were saying make time, like make out. 
Hmm. But okay. But we are now. <laughs> um, but but my my real laugh in this moment is that, you know, we've had a lot of discussions about Cordelia's driving and we'll have more <laughs> before this episode is over. But I love that she's just like in between the gravestones. Like she's <laughs> she's not she's not like parked on the side of the road in the graveyard. Oh my she's god. She's parked in, on the grass. Um, so I like that, uh, a lot. And then, and then back to just this like gorgeous, um, fight scene because it cuts from this amazing fight scene to this beautiful over the library shot, which is. Oh yeah, this is the first bird's eye view we've seen of the library. Yeah, through the glass, which is like really, really awesome. And we see Giles. He's been studying. Yeah. And he's just translating this piece of the codex. Uh, that what did I say I was going to call it? The Pegasus Codex. Yes. Yeah, he's translating a piece of the Pegasus Codex, um, and we don't learn in this moment what it says, but we do learn that it is real, very disturbing, real to fucked Giles. up. Yeah. Giles is like, that doesn't look like anything to me. <laughs> That's Jenny's Westworld reference. It's my new favorite joke. Whenever anything <laughs> is really disturbing and you are looking at it, you must say. It doesn't look like anything to me. Uh, yeah, so Giles. Shout uh, out to Molly Green who made that joke first. Who is Jenny's friend. Yeah. <laughs> We're just like, who? <laughs> um, so, and then the earthquake happens. It does. And it made me remember that we live in Southern California now. But oh. we haven't felt any earthquakes. Oh, why do you have to? What? No. You know what? No, you know what? Here's the thing. Two nights ago, it was really fucking windy. It was really windy, and we were in bed trying to go to sleep, and we couldn't fall asleep because it sounded like ghosts and goblins. It was so loud, banging around outside. And Jenny turns to me in bed (laughs) and says, "Well, at least we know it's just the wind." (laughs) It's just like if I get, if I'm gonna get. Murdered by <laughs> something that's supernatural or like a serial killer or something. I want to have a a craven worthy last words. So this is right in line with that. Hey, we haven't felt an earthquake yet. Thanks a lot, um, Jenny. Yeah. Sorry, I said that. Um, but I have a question related to this scene. Yeah. Um, there is a beautiful piece of art hanging over Giles's desk. Oh, I didn't notice that. And it is uh, a lake at night. Or a pond at night and Mm -hmm. the moon is out and it's reflected in the water and it's very beautiful, I think, from what I could tell. Right. And I was just wondering if anybody, if any of you nerds, I know one of you must know (laughs) what that piece of art is. Oh, let us know. Help me out. Shoot us an email at bufferingthevampireslayer at gmail.com. I'm (laughs) desperate to know what it is. Uh, speaking of nerds, I, I do have one more thing I want to talk about with the earthquake, but in our in our first moment, one of our first moments post-credits, <laughs> we get a great line from Willow. Um, it's the computer age. Nerds are in. Yeah, she's <laughs> pretty solid. But then immediately, they're still in. They're, right? Yeah, I'm still cool, right? Um, but also, just back to the earthquake for a hot second. While the earthquake is happening, first of all, we cannot miss the fact that there is this organ music playing as we like pan down oh to my God. the master who's like ah, 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 ah. <laughs> it's like the most June. June. <laughs> it's so silly and then yeah, like that he, music cue is out to lunch it is and he kind of laughs at himself like he almost has like a yeah. self-aware moment in this um there's i wish i knew more like i get real worked up about when we talk about like Wes Craven and horror and stuff like this but I don't know a lot about like 
old like old vampire movies. Oh. But I feel and I, so I might be wrong, but the little bit that I know, the little bit I've seen, I feel like there were like references to that. There were these moments, like this moment with the organ and like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. just these kind of like over the top moments that made me feel like they were very intentional and they were like hearkening back to something else. Right, right, right. I don't know. So again, let us know if Kristen is very wrong with her like headline reading of a <laughs> an old vampire film. Um, and also the master then says, oh, do you think it was a 5.1? Oh my God. And let me tell you what, Boom. I don't... Oh yeah, God. just the anointed one with the miniature drum kit in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I just feel like, I, I, I don't know a lot about earthquakes, but I think that if the floor of the library cracks in half, it's probably bigger than a 5.1. <laughs> Just my my two well, cents. Well, but like, do you think any buildings that aren't, aren't located directly on top of the Hellmouth experienced that level of damage? Oh, that's true. Okay, <laughs> that might that's, be playing that's into true. it. You're right. Okay. Um, uh, so when Buffy comes into the library the next morning, her first comment is, "The damage looks fairly structural." Yeah. <laughs> what a weird thing to say. <laughs> that's all. Yeah, it was kind of weird. It was kind of weird. You know, this is one of many moments in this episode where we're seeing the mundane, if you will, experience of like being at school and doing the things we're supposed to do in our life, like mm-hmm. making sure you run those errands set set right next to this apocalyptic um, situation. And, and that is shown here in the fact that Giles knows what's up now. Mm-hmm. Giles has read the prophecy that Buffy's going to fight the master and that she's going to die. And Buffy has just been having a blast, killing vamps all night, is on her way to biology and is like, what's your deal, man? Something that I want to – we talked about the Xander arc and, and you know, Buffy and feelings and all this stuff. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't want to go too much more into that. But I do want to say that I appreciated – Xander's line because Xander's approach to this moment where he tells Buffy about his feelings for her is very I just I really want to work to give Xander credit where credit is due because and and Joss credit yes he says he says I want to dance with you (laughs) says I want to dance with you it's very sweet it is very sweet and you know and Joss wrote this and Joss directed it so I do feel that that is sort of a reflection of some of the feminist Joss that we know, um, to also, put that in as the line. I just want to say, uh, while Xander's, like, working on it, and he's, like, huffing and puffing and, like, drumming on his bag, well, that's just, like, what I do. Yeah, that is when very... I, when, when I need to get when you're nervous. to a point. <laughs> uh, so I appreciated that. Um, so... You know, then Buffy leaves, goes to biology, etc. But Giles is left in. Oh, um, Jenny, yes, Jenny has wide eyes. Well, Giles is left with. Uh, oh, you're gonna take my moment from me. We have the same note. Well, let's find out. You go first, since you you did the transition. Please. Well, G- so Giles is left in the office now. At the same time, let's say our notes. Okay, I'm gonna count down from three, three, one. two. One. How, How did get she ha- Angel's yes, number? Yes, the phone number. <laughs> How did he get the phone How? number? How? How did you know late what? Night meetings. You know what? Because last week we talked about number? sexual tension, and it seems like there was a bit of a number exchange. Yeah, there probably must have definitely been a total number exchange. Yeah, seems they made time for also, each other. Also, he's so flustered <laughs> on the phone, you not just hear... because of the prophecy. I think you didn't even hear my joke. What did you say? I said it seems they made time for each other. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. That, um, that was 
That felt yeah. That so felt so bespoke. yeah. So somehow uh, somehow first of all somehow they have each other's phone numbers and also Angel has a phone, which I'm curious about how that works. Like, is there identity theft for vampires when they need like you know to pay bills? Utilities. Yeah, like he can't just be like Angelus, <laughs> like mm. on his. Yeah, he probably just has a fake. A fake name? Yeah, and a fake social. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I guess he's been around long enough to know the system. He was he was around when they invented social security numbers, so he probably just right, right, right. figured it out. Um, and then, of course, Hello, who, who's in the doorway? Ms. Calendar. Yeah, that is exactly what I wrote. That's exactly what I wrote, too. Wow. Hello, Ms. Calendar. I wrote, hello, wow. Jenny Calendar. Well, but... she's been surfing the net. <laughs> she, 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 has. she has been surfing the net, and she has a lot to report. <laughs> A snake or a cat. A cat has given li- birth to a litter of snakes. Yep. And uh, there's a lake that's boiling. Ooh. Yeah. 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 A child was born with their oh, eyes facing, facing inward. inward. That was a, that's a rough one. Gross. Also, she ends this like list of things that has happened with, I would say the end is pretty seriously nigh. Yeah. Which is a very- And then she like rides her skateboard off. It, it was very, like she sounded like Buffy in the movie, Buffy the Vampire. Like it was yeah, a very yeah, yeah, yeah. Buffy the Vampire Slayer movie line and delivery. I would say the end is pretty seriously nigh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, you would, Jenny mm-hmm. Calendar. Yeah. She's- Still hot. Yep, still looking great. Still a practicing techno-pagan, getting a lot of information from monks across the world. Yeah. What is this guy's name? Luca? That's yes. sending out, what does she call them? Global messages. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Global messages. Global messages. I mean. Is that like an email? Yeah. I, yes. It's a message oh, that you can dear. send globally all oh, at once. bother. <laughs> so... After this scene where, you know, we later learn that who uh, Giles has called is Angel to come please meet him. They have to talk and hang out, exchange numbers. Um, We cut to this scene that is, again, like this really spooky, dark scene. Buffy is like getting her stake out of her locker. As you do. Sun has gone down. She goes, you really think, I mean, I thought, even you thought, having seen this episode before, we were like, this is a dream, right? It's, it has a very dreamlike quality to it. Yeah, yeah. Um, especially when she then turns the faucet on and there's just blood pouring out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and we go, we cut to the li- or she goes to the library to be like, Giles, you're not going to believe the fucking uh-huh. sink is <laughs> coming out blood. <laughs> and instead, of course, she comes upon Angel and Giles. Well, she comes upon Angel, which yeah, is... Yeah, yeah, And she's like... <gasps> she Angel? says Angel, Yeah, right? she's so pumped because she hasn't seen him yeah. since she burned a cross shape into his chest while they were kissing Ooh, at the uh, end of season one, episode seven, Angel. Wow, Jenny, with the references over Not there. Not that I've been paying attention. Um, but this scene, I have it blocked because we there's a commercial break in between this um, scene, right? We hear... What happens is we hear Giles say to Angel, and she will die. He mm-hmm. reads the end of the prophecy from this codex. And then, had you been watching in 1997, you were like, what the fuck? And it cuts yeah. to commercial break. Glad, glad, glad. Or what is it? Hefty, hefty, hefty. Oh, my God. I just inserted glad the wrong <laughs> brand into the song. <laughs> Really Sorry, cool. Hefty. Oh. Um, oh no, maybe it is for Glad. Glad trash bags. What are the tra- What is the brand? Is it Hefty? I thought it was Hefty. No, because it's Hefty, 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 Wimpy, Wimpy, Wimpy. Yeah, Hefty is the brand, is and the then brand? everything else is Wimpy. 
And okay. I'm glad we're having this talk. Yeah, I mean, you got to know. And you got to know, you got to know. Anyhow, you, you had to watch all these fucking stupid ass commercials. Mm-hmm, no offense, mm-hmm. commercials. But like, uh. And we come back and the balance of this scene is... Oof, devastating. I mean, the balance of the scene is why we're doing this podcast, right? Yeah. Like, it is. It is like the heart of this show. This is... I mean, we see her go through everything. And and that's something that I noticed a lot in this episode is that he fits in, like Joss fits in so much shit in the tiniest amounts of time in, in a very believable and powerful way. Mm-hmm. Like several times I was like, I can't believe that we're still only halfway through this. Like we've learned so much already. We've felt so much already. Mm-hmm. And this scene is an example of that. We come right back on her laughing um, which is like, to me, was like a gutting first response and yeah. a very, like, I believed it one million percent. Like, mm-hmm. she has just found out something that she doesn't know how to deal with. And she is like laughing in this horribly sad, upsetting way. Um, and then she goes through, right? Like, I got chills just from the laugh. And then she says things like, um, you know, does it say how I'm going to die? Will it hurt? Who will she be, this next slayer? Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Will you train her? Uh, don't touch me, she says to Angel. And mm-hmm. then eventually gets herself to, I quit. I'm not doing this. I quit. Mm-hmm. Um, she rips her necklace off, the, the necklace that Angel has given her. And and she has this line where she just looks at Giles and says, Giles, I'm 16 years old. I don't want to die. And it, it's like, it, that all happened in like 30 five fucking seconds it has gotten so real Mm -hmm. you know and and we jenny jenny and i usually write the song after we record the podcast Mm -hmm. but we have already written the song and this this idea was like the central piece of song that we wrote um yeah you know or, or this journey that buffy goes on that starts right now where she's like, wait, what? It's like she's been in danger. She's been, she's faced death. She's been afraid. Um, but this is so much more real than anything has ever been. And it's devastating. Yeah. It's a common thing to think about, like, when you, you people say, like, when you're young, you, like, think you're invincible. Mm-hmm. Right? And to buff, like, for Buffy, it's exponentially uh, exaggerated because she has super strength and mm-hmm. really fast healing abilities and all of this, you know, sort of mystical power that she's imbued with. And now she's just heard, after she's faced death a bajillion times, like she literally fights dead people every day. Right. And she just heard for the first time, like, the possibility that she might actually die in the yeah. very near future and she and she like the way that she talks about it like because really one of the first responses is this like who's she gonna be who's this next person gonna be it's like for the first time she says i know how this works i remember how this works right i know mm-hmm. i die and then the next one comes right on in and it's like she's realizing for the first time and feeling like i'm just disposable like mm-hmm. all this all this work i'm doing all this fight that i've given and this is where it ends for me. And then somebody else just comes and picks up the stake and, and onward they go. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's just a beautiful scene. And it's and it's devastating from all angles. You know, I mean, talk about a trio of people to be like facing this truth for the first time. It's like Giles, who we've seen standing at her grave in in the last or in nightmares. Right. Yeah. That, yeah. Where, you know, we had that horrible heart wrenching scene where he was like, this is my nightmare. I didn't protect her. 
So he's, we know what he's feeling. Mm-hmm. And then we have Angel, who we know, you know, is in love with Buffy. And uh, it's just so sad. And then, of course, we go to Buffy, who is, like, looking through photos. Well, for those of you who don't know, can't even fathom why there's a book full of photographs in somebody's <laughs> home, let me just explain really quickly <laughs> that a long, long time ago... A long, long time ago. <laughs> uh, we we didn't used to have phones that took pictures mm-hmm. and computers to back them up. We would ha- take pictures with cameras and then, then we would like take the film to a, a film developing place. And then we would wait yeah. multiple days yeah. for the pictures to be developed. Then we would pick them up. Then we would paste them into a book like that. And then... Later, when we find out we're about to die mm-hmm. via prophecy, we, we, flip we nostalgically flip through yes. and relive our past joys. Yes. So this is an accurate, authentic scene. Um, also, we would usually get photos printed in doubles just in case. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, to share with your friends. Yeah, I would always get doubles just because. Like, I wanted to, like, fuck around with one set and then have the other set for, for safekeeping. Wow. I always got doubles. What what kind of photo manipulation were you doing in high school? No, not, like, fuck around in a manipulatory way. No, like, in a... like were you, like, like, manipulatory? Yeah, that was really something. <laughs> were you, like... Like drawing on them or like no, making like, cards out like of them. Like pasting them in books sometimes or, you know, like making photo books like mm-hmm, Buffy mm-hmm, Buffy mm-hmm. has or um, or giving them to friends or like cutting them out and making collage type things. Um, right, 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 you know, right, right. What you do, what you do with physical photos. Um, but anyhow. Joyce comes in. Joyce comes in. Joyce has this great line. <laughs> You're probably full from that bite of dinner you nearly had. Pretty good. <laughs> Pretty good. And and again, just this one sentence lets us know that, like, I mean, we already What's know that Buffy on? is distraught. But, you know, this is one quick sentence that kind of, like, inserts that into this scene. Um, now, Buffy uh, has a great idea where she's like, let's just get out of town. I know. Let me avoid this prophecy. Mom, safest person, safest place on the planet to me, historically mm-hmm. and now and always. Take me away uh, and protect me and get me the fuck out of here yeah and joyce is like oh honey you know the gallery is open on weekends let me just say something really quick yes Jenny. we haven't seen this gallery <laughs> and i don't want to spoil anything for anybody but we're never gonna see the gallery <laughs> so i have a theory i'd like to put on the table what if running parallel oh brother to the regular vampire slayer lineage vibe there's also an adult vampire slayer league <laughs> And Joyce... Vampire League, by the way. Yeah. Is actually out slaying... Wouldn't this be a cool crossover potential thing for, like, down the line, they, like, run into each other in the graveyard where they, like, think... (laughs) Buffy thinks her mom's at the gallery and Joyce thinks Buffy is, like, at a study date with Willow and they, like, bump into each other in the cemetery and they both have stakes out and they both try to hide them behind their... Doesn't this sound so fun? great. Yeah, no, it's good, Jenny. Run with it. Think you have a money maker on your hands. Yeah, I if if I wrote fan fiction, I feel mm-hmm. like I would be off to the races. Yeah, it's like Freaky Friday meets Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yes, yes. Um, but I believe I do believe that Joyce actually just works at an art gallery. Maybe, maybe, maybe. Okay, fine, maybe. Um, but right, and she of course doesn't know what's at stake here. <laughs> <laughs> Where's the anointed yeah, one exactly. to give me my drum fill? <laughs> um, so yeah, but then she has purchased this dress for Buffy um, that she saw Buffy eyeing, which 
you know, is is I was going to just go down the it's this really beautiful moment path. But I do want to just say it is a weird thing to give somebody a dress to a dance that's the next day. It's like, you know what I mean? The timing of it seems weird. It seems like you would give if you wanted to give a person a dress for a dance, you would find out if they were going. Yeah, yeah. You would and work you would. with a little more lead time. Yeah. Joyce is an impulsive lady though. You know, yeah. she just rides the wind that's true. wherever it takes her. <sighs> that's true. So so this is when Buffy sees this dress, and of course they have this exchange where and it's this really sweet exchange between them too, which I feel like is coming from the fact that Buffy knows right, you're gonna interact with your loved ones very differently if you know you're gonna die if you know you're gonna die and so you know Joyce is telling her this story about how she went to the prom by herself and um you know Buffy says like well was it horrible and Joyce is like yeah it was horrible for the first hour and then I met your dad and like they have this like very open beautiful exchange which we don't we haven't really seen that many of these if any between Joyce and and Buffy because Buffy's 16 right you know um and then of course we go right to um, the school where Cordelia is like, my boyfriend is so cute. I don't even care that he didn't set up the equipment. Willow, mm. huh? Isn't love so crazy? And they they, have, they do have this really great moment where Cord- Cordelia is like, men, am I right? <laughs> and Willow's like, sure. <laughs> it's really nice. It's really nice for a lot Willow's of Willow's like affirming, like back up, I'm backing you up nod. Yeah. It's so good. Right? Um, but then we go right from our laughter into another one of these scenes that is like just <laughs> no, no joke, no pun intended, but like very gutting. The scene is just like, yeah, you know, they, she opens the door, Cordelia opens the door and what's this guy's name? It's not Mitch. Kevin. It's Kevin. <laughs> we, we moved on from Mitch to Kevin since the last episode. Um, and this scene is dark. Whew. It's, it's rough. It's really dark. I mean, there are what six, seven kids, a bunch in, of kids there, in there, um, all who have been killed by vamps. And the thing that really, like, I feel like hits at home is the bloody handprint on the TV screen while Porky Pig is dancing with Porky Pig. Mm-hmm. It's rough. Yeah, it's pretty it's a difficult juxtaposition. It's pretty dark. And one of the little factoids that we stumbled upon actually uh, had this note that Alice and Hannigan had said they had filmed the scene in two different ways. Yeah, a bloodier version for, for European the audiences <laughs> <laughs> who can apparently stomach more gore. Yeah, um, bully. than Americans. Um, but. I'll tell you what, you didn't even need more gore than just that handprint on the television for it to be really disturbing. Yeah, it was icy. And it's quiet, and Willow is, you can see that she's in shock. And then we go to, um, back to Joyce and Buffy, and Joyce has sort of run up the stairs. (laughs) Do we even know that it's upstairs? I know it from watching other episodes, but... Do we know Buffy's bedroom is upstairs? Uh, no, I don't Have think we learned that. Oops, spoiler. (laughs) (laughs) Spoiler for Buffy's house floor plan. (laughs) Um, but, uh, but yeah, so Joyce says, like, uh, something's on the news, Willow. Oh, no, we have seen them go upstairs, because remember when Angel allegedly left? Oh, yes, of course. And and Angel has to get down out of the the second story window. Oh, thank goodness I didn't spoil. Heavens. You would have been all so mad at me. (laughs) Um, but, yeah, so... And then, and then I, I presume that Buffy has gone over to Willow's house. Yeah, that's the vibe. Um, because, and then you know, Willow is sitting in bed and is is really like in she's sh- in shell shock. She's in mode. shock. 
Um, and she's saying, like, you know, she says to Buffy, I'm not okay, you know, because Buffy's like, mm-hmm. well, at least you're okay. Um, and Willow says, I'm not okay. And this is when she has this moment and she says, you don't, like, I, I'm trying to find the words to explain this to you. Mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. only thing I can think to say is that it wasn't our world anymore. They made it theirs. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and then and then later in this moment, she asks Buffy, what are we going to do? And Buffy says, what well, we have to. And this is like a moment. The pivot point. It's a big pivot point for Buffy where she's gone from the moment in the library where she's so scared that she quits and she says, fuck this. I'm mm-hmm. not dying. I, you know, I signed up for a bunch and I'll, I'll do a bunch. But like once you say that I'm going to die, like this is some real stuff. I don't want to I don't want to die. Um, but then in this moment with Willow. You know, whether it's, I mean, I think it's a combination of all the things, right? It's like, on the one hand, this is her friend, her dear friend, who is, like, devastated and has seen something horrible. Willow is communicating, though, this bigger message of they're taking our world. Like, they can't have our world. I don't want them to have our world. I think that this is just a big moment. It is the moment when she, like, spins on her literal heels and is like, fuck this. I'm Mm -hmm. fighting. Mm -hmm, mm Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. It's almost as if some theme music should be inserted. No, yeah, I know it's not yet, but it's almost as if. <laughs> Jennifer. I'm just ramping up to that oh, moment. Oh boy. Oh, I know what happens here. What which happens is, here? I, this is I have a lot to say about this actually. Um right as Buffy is leaving Willow's room, Willow says, I like your dress. <laughs> I love this because Willow says it, then the master says it, uh-huh. and then Angel tries to say it. And she's like, and she's I've, like I've enough heard it. with the dress. But this is what's so fucking great about this line that keeps coming up where people are telling her that they like her dress. And the whole prom dress, right? I mean, we hear this line, and this is like, you know, stereotypical prom banter, right? You, you go to the prom because you want to get a beautiful prom dress because you want everybody to tell you that they love your prom dress. I'm not telling you that this is how you feel, listener, nor was it how I felt, but this is like a very, like this is a, a prom trope. Of right, right. You get the dress and you want to hear this, you know, you want to hear that everybody thinks you look so beautiful. It's mm-hmm, this time mm-hmm, when everybody mm-hmm. gets all dressed up. It's like really the first, you know, the reason that like prom is made into such a big deal. It's like really like the first time that you're getting all dressed up with your friends and it feels very adult and all this stuff. And the fact that this whole episode is about Buffy trying to save the world from ending and yet still the (laughs) players in that are still telling her (laughs) that they like her dress. It's just like, it's just (laughs) this beautiful dichotomy of what the prom would be if you were not Buffy the Vampire Slayer and what the prom is. When you are. And, and everything, the one sliver yes. of overlap is, I like your dress. Yes. And the Venn diagram of normal person prom and Buffy prom in where they meet, it just says, I like your dress. <laughs> so I love that. Um, oh and, God. you know, we should, we should, speaking of dresses. Yes. I think it's just about time that we go over to our dear, dear friend, Kate Leth, with Buffy Fashion Watch. Most of us work really hard to manage our time well enough to cook healthy meals, but life gets overwhelming. There are errands to run, vampires to slay, extraterrestrial beings to investigate. Luckily, there's Factor. Factor has delicious, ready-to-eat meals. They are fresh. They are never frozen. 
They are chef-crafted and dietitian approved And here's the best part. They're ready to go in just two minutes. Absolutely no cooking required. Having a selection of these meals in our fridge over the past few weeks has been a game changer. My wife and I are eating healthier and ordering takeout less, and this is not just about dinner. Factor offers over 35 different meal options to choose from each week with more than 60 add-ons. So there's breakfast, there's midday bites, and more. I have to admit I was hesitant at first. I've never had a ready-to-eat meal that made me feel good, and I have been astounded at how delicious each meal and snack from Factor has tasted. The difference is entirely because they're not frozen. They taste as fresh as if you'd made them yourself. They're also flexible for your schedule. You can get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week, and you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. Head to factormeals.com slash buffering50 and use code buffering50 to get 50% off. That's code buffering 50 at factormeals.com slash buffering50 to get 50% off. Hi, I'm Madigan from Your Angry Neighborhood Feminist, a podcast that explores the world through a personal feminist perspective. Check out new episodes Mondays and Fridays for a wide variety of topics and news episodes. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Rage on. It's time for our friend Kate to give you the Buffy fashion update. Welcome back, one and all, to the finale of what is arguably the best and worst season for Buffy fashion. Personally, I love it. The mini dresses, silver eyeshadow and taupe lipstick, leopard print, chunky heels, blowout, straightened hair, colored tights, sneakers, plastic rings. Willow's pigtails, Giles' clashing ties and shirts, Jenny Callender's 1970s techno-pagan wardrobe, the endless supply of leather. <laughs> but all good things must come to an end, and here they finally do. Uh, few people wear anything stand out in this episode, actually, I think to draw attention towards just how fabulous Buffy's dress is, and it is. I went digging to try and find where it came from, as so many people have tried to replicate it through cosplay and various other means over the years, and it turns out it was made by season one's costume designer, Susanna Puisto, or Puisto, I'm pretty sure, to whom I owe this entire segment when I really think about it, so thank you, thank you a thousand times, thank you, Susanna. Um, so yeah, it's one of a kind. Fun fact, in upcoming seasons, Buffy wears Vera Wang, not once, but twice. Anyway, this dress, it's iconic for so many reasons, it's almost sacrificial, like virginal in its purity, the empire waist, the silk, the rhinestones, that layered sheer skirt that's so soft and delicate. It, it works so hard to make Buffy look innocent. And you pair it with her leather jacket and the metal cross that she wears when she goes after the master, and you have one of her most iconic looks of the entire series. Susanna and the writers are, are telling us here, like without saying anything, that they're here to subvert a trope. And it might feel a little obvious, but I'm a sucker for it. Her innocence here is is her fear of death and her fear of her own prophecy but her jacket and and the cross on top of this like beautiful soft white dress tell us you know she's ready to fight she's capable i mean she's the slayer and like at the same time it's this very literal way of saying that she's hard on the outside but you know she can still be hurt and like i have a lot of feelings um so that's it for me for season one we have so many outfits and new characters and new outfits to look forward to in season two. 
But until then, I'll see you at the mall. That was our friend Kate. She gave you the Buffy fashion update. What a way to finish up season one of Buffy Fashion Watch. Thank you, Kate. Oh, thank you, Kate. What a beautiful fashion watch it was. Mm. Where fashion meets feeling. You know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) Um, So speaking of uh, feelings, we're back in the library. Um, Giles has mm -hmm. taken Buffy's cutting words said in anger to heart and has decided that he is going to face the master and Buffy will stay out of it. Yeah, which is also heartbreaking. I just, like, I wrote the word sob, sob, sob a lot of times in this episode. Yeah. Um, Because, oh, because that moment when she says to him, like, what do you do with your books? She throws the fucking book up against the Uh wall. uh uh Ah, that scene. But then this scene, this scene, this scene starts with, with Jenny Callender so proud. Like, I've dutifully looked up Isaiah 11.6 and Giles oh comes strolling out of the cage, like, reciting, the wolf will live with the lamb, the leopard will lie down with the goat, the calf and the lion and the yearling together, and a little child will lead them. And Jenny Callender's like, oh, snap. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, I didn't memorize that. I did write it down. Um... But we hear this, um, this is the last thing that uh, this Luca character who has gone missing has sent via global message. Global message. <laughs> um, and this is the moment when Giles realizes through this piece of um, text that the anointed one is a child. Is not dead as they have. Is not thought. dead, right? Because that was the, what was that character's name? Oh, uh, oh gosh, what was it? Military Man. Military Man. It was, yeah, we thought, we thought Military, well, they thought Military Man was the anointed, but we knew <laughs> the whole time that that tiny child was the anointed one. So they learn that here. Um, and of course, we later learn that Buffy is the lamb. Right, in right, this, right, In this description, but we'll get there. Because first Buffy has to come in and be like, listen, Dad, (laughs) I'm not going to let you face the master. That's bananas. Yeah. I'm going to face the master. And Giles is like, I can't let you do that. And Yeah, Giles says, I defy prophecy and I am going. Oh, Giles. Okay, I know you're getting all hammy over there. How dare you? But like the line. Yeah, no, it's intense. It's intense. It's for real. It's I defy prophecy. And of course, Buffy is like, I thought you might say that. And then she like turns her head to to pull back to punch him hard enough to knock him out. But she also like, I think, kind of like can't look. At his face. Yeah. Before she does it. Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. And then... But but wait. Okay. But wait, because Giles goes down here. And we were... One of our lovely listeners said to us... Oh, yeah. Hey, guys. Um, not a spoiler, really, but, like, maybe you could talk about the fact that it kind of becomes a thing, a funny thing, of how many times Giles gets knocked out. And maybe, since we're watching episode by episode, we can keep track of how many times Giles gets knocked out. And so we've had how many times now so I far? I think this is the third, but feel free to correct us on the Yeah, we can, we can correct. If need be. Uh, we saw him get knocked out in Witch. Mm-hmm. We saw him get knocked out in The Pack. Mm-hmm. And we just saw him get knocked out in Prophecy So Girl. that's three. He's had at least three knockings out. So now we're going to keep count moving forward mm-hmm. how many times Giles bites the dust. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so a couple things that I want to talk about before we leave the library here. Mm-hmm. Uh, Giles goes down and Jenny Callender runs to his aid to cradle his head. And I want to just alert you that the sound design of her clop clopping 
over it to Giles, like whatever kind of chunky heel she's wearing, is really good. You should go back and listen to it. It will delight clop, you. Clop, 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 clop. Even when she kneels, there's a tiny yeah. clop. Yeah. yeah. And then the, the second thing about uh, this scene that I want to mention before we move on uh, is that two things in this episode don't work for me. Okay. And uh, the first one is this. Mm-hmm. That... Buffy says, when he wakes up, tell him, think of something cool and tell him I said it. That Mm -hmm. just seems so out of the realm of anything that she would say. Maybe I'm, like, getting too serious. Maybe she's a teenager and that's, like, a thing. But, like, it just seems like she just, like, did, she just, like, knocked Giles out to save him from getting himself killed in order to try to save her. But Buffy does not have words through this whole episode. Like, that is a thing. I mean, the last thing she says to Willow, the last time she's going to see Willow, she, like, leaves and she says, like, take care. Take care. Like, you know, I'm not, but that's, isn't that the whole thing, right? That Buffy always has these, like, quips. She always has words. And she doesn't have words. Yeah. I think it's intentional. Oh, look at you. Hey, here okay. I am to answer your question. Retract, retract. There's only one thing in this episode that doesn't work for me. <laughs> okay, what is that? We're not there yet. Oh, okay, great. First, the anointed one has to pick Buffy up. And she's all like, yo, <laughs> yeah. I know who you are. Also, Buffy, prom dress, leather jacket, crossbow. Crossbow. So impractical. Oh, but it looks so hot. I will say it every time. It's, it's so impractical. I don't care. Nobody cares. I a crossbow care. with a prom dress person. and a leather jacket. Don't take it away from us, Jenny. Don't no, take I it mean, away. No, I mean, I like to look at it. It's just like if you were about to fight the guy who is prophesied to kill you. Maybe she feels... Wouldn't you want to arm yourself most effectively? Uh, maybe she feels it's effective. You don't know. You don't know her. Don't know you don't live her life. You're not the slayer. Um, so right, so the anointed one is like, I'm a kid, I need help. And she's like, shut up, kid, I know who you are, just fucking take me downstairs in your tiny little hoodie, Jesus. Um, and then we cut back to the library, to Willow being like, why does she get to be in the club? Yeah, indicating that now Ms. Calendar is in the club. Is in the club, right. And Willow's like, I don't understand how this happened, but whatever. Um, We hear your favorite music cue again while Buffy's walking through the tunnels with the anointed. What's my what? Just after this, the... That uh, creepy horror music that, that ah, is yeah. under the master at the beginning of the episode. Mm-hmm. We hear it again as she's navigating the tunnels. There's a lot of really cool scoring, I think, in this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and then and then Xander says, F this noise. I know where to go. I'm going to Angel's house. Which now, How does Xander how? know where Angel lives? Giles has his phone number. Xander knows where he lives. Like, what's going on here? Are they all playing poker? Right? Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> And and here's where, Jenny, here is where my sexual tension award comes in. (laughs) I am. Now, for me, it was a toss-up, but not really a toss-up. But the other contender uh, for the sexual tension award, unfortunately for all of us, was the Master and Buffy. (laughs) Nobody wants them to win that. Nobody wants to even have seen what we had to see. No, no, no. And so I give it wholeheartedly to Xander and Angel Wow. For both this scene where they're in Xander's, uh, Angel's apartment 
And, you know, he's like, are you in love with her? And he's like, aren't you? Like, and then they kiss. And then they kiss. Um, and then and then the next scene with the two of them, when they go into, you know, they're going to find the master. <laughs> oh, yeah. Sanders like, you were looking at my neck. I felt you looking at my neck. I told you to eat before we left. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, it's really I good. I love it. They're very cute boyfriends. Very, very cute. <laughs> I love that. Give me some give me some Xander Angel fanfic. <laughs> um so yeah, so sexual tension award, unless you have uh, No, any... no, that's definitely it. Okay, great. Oh, then the master and Buffy, which is this other really such a bummer. And the master is like hi- like hiding from her and he has this line like, I want this moment to last. Blech. That's really yeah, super creepy and super terrifying. Um and then he tells her, This is like awful. She has gone, followed what she thought she was supposed to follow to fight him, and he tells her as he's about to kill her, You're the one who sets me free. If you hadn't come, I couldn't go. Think about that. Ugh. It's like, ugh, you know? Prophecy plot twist. Prophecy plot twist. And he's so, I mean, the master is, the master, yeah, everybody knows how I feel about the master. I never want to look at him. But he really, ha- like, his character has a lot of depth in this episode, more depth than I think we've seen. His lines are really powerful. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and his, and his like, force is powerful, um, which, I mean, probably because he, he's breaking the bubble, finally. He's like, <laughs> right, 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 right. That wibble wobble, wibble. the wibble wobble bubble is about to go. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and, then, and then, again, if we were in 1997, you see him bite Buffy drop her which again beautiful right he doesn't he doesn't bite her and throw her into the water he bites her and drops her and you hear her fall onto her knees and then the mm-hmm. and then it pans out and you see her from her knees go forward into the water it's like this is fucking what directing is people you know what i mean mm-hmm. That's beautiful. It, it's beautiful and heartbreaking. And then we cut to commercial. Hefty, hefty, hefty. Ah. Wimpy, wimpy, wimpy. You're like, what is happening? Is she alive? Is she dead? We come back from the commercial. Right, right. right. And then Angel and Xander know that he's out. And so they run into the lair. Mm-hmm, and they mm-hmm. see her there. And Angel, like, scoops her up out of the water yesterday. Yes, and Rain- Angel is panting because he uh, was just running. He's panting up a storm. <laughs> and he's all stressed out. <laughs> <laughs> and then he says, um, we need to give her CPR. You need to do it, Xander, because I have no breath. Ignore all the panting I just did. Uh, is that just the, saying. Is that the other part that you, is it the other no, hole for you? No, that's not the hole for okay. me. Okay, well. That's just a, a little treat. But getting, but getting serious in this moment, though, this is like a really cool thing because, um, it highlights the different strengths of these characters, of these people. Um, you know, Angel is this very strong ancient vampire who can fight and kill, you know, has all this power. And yet... If Xander wasn't with him... If Xander wasn't with him, and Xander is the only reason that he even went... Xander's the only reason that he's down there in the first place. And that's curious. Yes, because usually Angel is up on the up and up and knows uh-huh. what's going on. But he, Xander has been the one to tell him, we need to go and don't don't fuck around. I have my crucifix, uh-huh. man. Uh-huh. Then they kiss. And then <laughs> and then they go down into the lair and, and Angel cannot save her. 
only Z- and between the two of them, only Xander can because <sighs> Xander has Xander doesn't have strength and he doesn't have even like super duper brains. <laughs> but he has breath. He has oxygen in his lungs and he can breathe life back into Buffy, which yeah. And this sort of like, uh, I think, kind of sets the tone really for what Xander has to offer throughout the series. You know, he's sort of like, a lot of people refer to him as kind of like the beating heart of Mm. the operation, Mm -hmm. you know? And a beating heart um, pushes blood through your veins and allows all of your major organs to function, Uh um, Uh uh including your lungs. So So CPR happens. Buffy's eyes pop open in this weird Oh my god, her eyes open, the 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 camera zooms out just a tiny bit, really fast. Yeah. And there's this like wind chime. Yeah. It's so weird. And then she but coughs. Also, but but yeah, maybe that's what it's like to come back to life. We don't there's know. There's a wind chime. Yeah, there's a wind chime. You haven't heard about the the pro- prophesized wind chime. But oh my god, like I know that Buffy is back alive and we're all really happy about it, but you want to know what I'm more happy about? I know what you're more happy about. Oh man, this is the moment we've all been waiting for. More Cordelia behind the wheel. Oh my god, this scene is so good. They come out and the vampires are like acting like zombies. They're really being weird, the vamps. I don't know why they're walking so slowly, but it's creepy. And Jenny Callender and Willow are like, oh, my God, what's going to happen? There's all these vampires. How will we ever get away? And then the screeching of rubber on cement is heard. And Cordelia is like, yo, (laughs) I saw these things. I don't know what to do. Get in. And they're like, what do we do now? There's this amazing moment where there's a vamp on the hood and the three of them are screaming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're like, what do we do? And Willow is like, we need to get back to the fucking library. (laughs) And Cordelia is like, say no more. (laughs) Say no more. She Bust actually the double doors. Yeah, but right. She says, library, great. <laughs> <laughs> and she busts through two sets of double doors, uh-huh, I believe. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, just knocks down everything at Sunnydale High School, gets them to the library. They go in just a short moment after. After they're in the library, I'm giving this all to Cordy because you know how this rant of mine is going to end. She's standing by the door. The vamp reaches in, grabs her by the shoulder, and she fucking bites him. She bites his arm, and then she says, see how you like it. She bites (laughs) the vampire, and she says, see how you like it, all while wearing stretchy purple spandex pants. Cordelia, I love you. Please play the song. Cordelia, I love you, Cordelia. You're perfect, Cordelia. So, if you want to fucking hear that song all the time, you just go to iTunes on your phone and you look it up by Cordelia. Uh And then uh you can play it all the time to keep your spirits up. God, I love her. Okay. (laughs) Anyhow... So, because it's almost Christmas, this is a note I took. Up on the rooftop, click, click, click. The vampire master is such a dick. (laughs) That's very nice, Jenny. (laughs) I thought you might like that. Wow. (laughs) So special. I'll look for those divorce papers Uh in the mail. Um, uh, but so he's at the school. He's up at that bird's eye view vantage point looking down upon mm-hmm. the library where he knows that 
his favorite pet is about to bust forth. Oh my god, his favorite pet. But but before we get there, I want to talk about um well, I don't know actually what the order is anymore, but when Buffy comes back to life after she after the wind chime and after her coughing, they're like, "Whoa, whoa. Like, you know, you just died, so maybe take a minute before." And she says, "I feel strong, I feel different." Let's go. Let's go. And this is somebody tweeted, I I had tweeted out um you know when we when we when we did the first watch i had tweeted like i just watched prophecy girl for the first time and oh my god it's incredible and um somebody named Chantal Co on twitter um replied this is when buffy becomes buffy mm-hmm. and i thought it was the most beautiful like capturing of what we see in this episode and this in this moment right she's like Oh, yeah, I'm fucking back. And now I know what's at fucking stake and the shit is over. Mm-hmm. Like she is so self-aware. Um, she is so strong. Mm-hmm, she does not mm-hmm. give any fucks. And she also has lived through really her, her worst fear, right? She's on the other side right, right. of this fear. Um, and so how, Jenny, if you were directing this episode, how do you think you would, I don't know, Get this mood across that that Buffy is just ready to fight. <laughs> well, first I'd have Cordelia, you know, holding the library door closed. Yes. But unfortunately, the library door has like a little porthole window. Yes. And a vampire is reaching through it. Mm-hmm. And the vampire grabs Cordelia through the door. Mm-hmm. And she's like, somebody help! <laughs> and then it would cut. To an amazing scene where the, the theme music is playing and Buffy is walking in her fancy shoes and we're looking at her shoes and then it zoom it pans up slowly uh, the length of her entire body and yep. Xander and Angel are like have fallen in behind her and it's like okay so this is the moment that really lands with a clang for me I get why it's a you know I get what's happening but it's just like a little bit there's just something that's just not quite it's bizarre to hear the theme song in the show itself or at least like this version of it um but i i'm into it i'll take it yeah i mean i'm stoked about what's happening um and then my next note is three-headed demon lol that's my whole note. Were um, there only three heads on that thing? Yeah, I think there were three. And did you say that there was a, a human being inside each, each one, one of those heads? Each one. There's a human being inside each tentacle. Not in the show, but like behind the scenes. Yeah. It's oh. being operated by right. yes, the individual people. Individual people are operating that that three-headed demon, the hellmouth demon, uh, the pet of the master, as Jenny, as Jenny put it. Um, and then, you know, Buffy gets up to the roof, clickety-clack. And uh, the master is so surprised. Um, He's like, you're dead. You're dead. How are you here? And this this was very funny. Another note that we read when we were doing our little, like, research of the episode. Somebody had just randomly said, like, well, if you think about it, the master might be surprised for several reasons. Uh, one, because he thought Buffy was dead. But two, because he's been trapped in a wibble-wobble bubble. They didn't say wibble-wobble bubble. But <laughs> he's been trapped down in his lair for many years. And CPR was only b- invented in the 1970s. So he didn't even know yeah. that you could do that. Mm-hmm. So His mistake. Plot twist. Uh, and then Buffy, what does she say to him? What does she say? Well, uh, one thing that she says, oh, one thing that she says. <laughs> there it is. Is, uh, you know, I may be dead, but I'm still pretty. Oh, yes. But I meant 
you have fruit punch mouth. Oh my god! Well, she has so many amazing lines just in this short amount of time. Well, for me, you though, have you have fruit punch mouth, yeah. Uh, which is we've all been thinking it, and now thank God somebody's finally saying it. A lot of it. you tweeted at me saying, "Kristen, I really thought of you in this moment. Thank you, <laughs> thank you." You you have fruit punch mouth. Um, I flunked to the written when he says, "You yeah. were meant to die." Yeah. It was written. She's like, "I flunked to the written." <laughs> that's that's just a nice, uh, healthy high school humor that I can really get behind. Yep. Ugh. And then she eyeballs. She eyeballs as she's fighting him. She sees this um, like broken piece of something down wood. through naturally. Oh, well, of course, it has to be wood. Silly me. Um, through the glass panel that that is on the top of the library, and down he fucking goes. Oh man, down. If he, you're if you're yeah. so into hell, go there. <laughs> what a great. What a great finish him move yeah. line. Yeah, it was. Very nice. And I like his death. I like the like, you know, usually when vampires are dusted, they kind of immediately dust. Right. But because he is the oldest vampire on record. Yes. He's really got. He has a skeleton. It's durable. Nobody has. No, none of the other vamps had skeletons. He's the only one. I mean. Right. Their, their, their bones turn to dust. His bones don't yeah. turn to dust. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and also, guys, who's cleaning up the high school is what I want. There's like. There's like, like peace. S- we're going to the prom. <laughs> There's like slime everywhere. Dude. Shattered floors and, and Cordelia's car is just in. Do they drive Cordelia's car out of the school to the prom? We don't see it, but I assume so. That's how they get there. Uh, anybody who, they're, they're like, we've already survived this much. Surely we can get in a car that Cordelia is driving <laughs> right. to. Um, I just want to like just uh, step back like one moment. There's a there's a, a moment where I think that the three-headed slime tentacle monster laughs no yeah i think there's a moment where it like shit it's like shaking up and down <laughs> like ha 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 and there's a kind of like a, a a raspy hissing wow that that sounds kind of like a laugh oh my so word. feel free to go back and check that out all right and I also like just like in general out. i mean it's like scary and we don't want anybody to die but like that thing is just muppety yeah. Especially the way it retracts when the ma- the master is killed. It's like, I'm out of here. Yeah. You know? <laughs> it's very um, uh, Little Shop of Horrors. Yeah. You know, it has that kind of a vibe to it. Totally. Um, yeah. And, and you know, not to not to miss either in this moment that they're, as they're, as they're all gathering back in the library, we hear this, the theme song again, but it's this like beautiful, slow, lyrical theme song. And the, this was another like teary moment for me because there they are. I I believe there they are, the Scoobies, as we go into season two, mm-hmm. including Jenny Callender and including Cordelia. They're mm-hmm. all and Angel is in the room. <laughs> and you were there, and you were there. The gang is all here. The gang is all here. And then uh Buffy says, We save the world. Now we party. <laughs> and out they fucking go and, and then there's like the this night. banter of like I'm hungry and they're like laughing yeah, yeah, of course yeah. you're hungry you died and you saved the world silly girl <laughs> like it's just a, it's good it's good it's good it's good um, feels like home yeah this wow and we did it we, we're we are at the end of season one and wow. I'm just gonna like touch back to where I started like this is why we're doing this fucking podcast this episode is so beautiful this television series is so beautiful, and we are about to get into season two. We cannot wait 
Oh, man, if you haven't seen season two yet, I'm so excited yeah. for you. <laughs> you get to meet oh, new characters. God. Oh, there's so much to do. Yeah. Um, but we're not there yet. Um, we will be soon. This is um, the last episode of season one. We will be back with season two episodes starting in January, but we will have a couple of other fun episodes in between season one and season two. We're going to do a mailbag episode, um, and we're going to try to do a special episode where we talk about your favorite episode or favorite moments, rather, from season one. So we asked last week um, if you're able to send us a voice recording of yourself talking to us, say your name and where you're from, and then tell us what your favorite moment of this season was and why. Try to keep it, you know, to like the one minute mark or so, so we can get in as many as possible. But if you're like, I don't want to make a voice memo, guys, um, just send us an email and we'll keep those emails for this separate episode. Um, your favorite episodes and our favorite, ep- or I keep saying that, your favorite moments and our favorite moments from season one. Um, and our email, in case you you've missed it, is bufferingthevampireslayer at gmail.com. Wow. Well, that's it for this episode, and that's it for this season. That is the end of season one. Thanks so much for joining us this whole entire time. It's been our pleasure to party with you. I'm Jenny Owen Youngs, and when I'm not watching Buffy and making this podcast, I'm usually writing and recording songs. You can learn more about me at jennyowenyoungs.com slash buffering where I've curated a little playlist of songs that are not about Buffy that I've written. You can check them out. And uh, you can also give me a shout on Twitter at Jenny Owen Youngs. Everybody's like, why would we want to hear songs not about Buffy? I know. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I am Kristen Russo, and you can find me over on Twitter at Kristen Nolene, K-R-I-S-T-I-N-N-O-E-L-I-N-E. When I'm not talking about Buffy, and that's really just less and less of my life at this point, but when I'm not (laughs) talking about Buffy, I work to bring advice, resources, and laughter to LGBTQ young people and their families over at everyoneisgay.com and mykidisgay.com. And we're going to do something special in this episode. Um, Jenny and I have handful of lyric sheets that are I want to let you know they are like these sheets that we wrote down the words for the first time writing the song so they're a little from our writing sessions from our writing sessions so they're written in pencil um on like yellow paper there's like stuff in the margins it's that kind of a deal a lot of unused lines a lot of unused lines yeah they're i think they're really special and really fun and we have um at least four of them i think we, we might have even more than mm-hmm. that um and so what we're gonna do um is if anyone is able to do an end of year donation to the work over at everyone is gay and my kid is gay um we're gonna pick no matter what donation size you give if you give a dollar if you give seven hundred dollars all the same chances um of you getting picked, we will pick, um, you know, four or more of those donors to get that, um, a copy of one of the lyric sheets. Um, And you can go over and um, donate. It's a tax deductible donation is the best way to do it, in my opinion. If you go on over to, we made a bit.ly for you. It's just bit.ly slash EIG Buffy. So EIG for everyone is gay. Buffy. All lowercase? All lowercase. E-I-G Buffy. Or, you know, you can just go to everyoneisgay.com, click on the donate link, um, and just you'll see there's three options. Choose Fractured Atlas. Um, That's how you can give uh, tax deductibly. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And we will pick some of you wonderful humans who support that work to get um, those fun lyric sheets. And I thank you in advance for your support. Buffering the Vampire Slayer is on Twitter at BufferingCast and on Facebook at Facebook.com slash bufferingcast. And 
If you haven't gotten this message already, you can send us an email to bufferingthevampireslayer at gmail.com. No, we really, we hit the email address <laughs> three times in this episode, I think. Um, if you like what we do, and we hope that you do, you can uh, go on over to iTunes and leave us a positive review. Um, that is a very awesome way to support our work here. Um, another fun thing that you can do is you can go on over to our shop, um, which is bit.ly slash shop buffering. Um, and over there, you can find some enamel pins by designed by Kate Lepp, uh, buffering the Vampire Slayer T-shirt designed by Christine Tuna, mm-hmm. uh, and that is just to remind you where we are going to put up the physical copy of Buffering the Vampire Slayer songs from season one for pre-order. It's going to be up starting today, and it's going to be up through December eighteenth. We have a limited amount of copies, um, so if you want that physical manifestation mm. of the beauty we hath wrought <laughs> in season one. <laughs> wow. You can go on over and uh, pre-order a copy. They should go out probably by the end of um, December. All right? Yes. I think, uh, should we say also that our New York show has sold out? Yes. Oh, yes, it is, um, which is bad news for some. But great news for the indication it gives us that we should yes. plan more Buffering the Vampire Slayer events. Yes. Which and we will be doing in the new year. We shall. So stay tuned. Um, if you use social media, follow us on social media because we will be talking about other events and um, things that we're trying to plan, uh, both for season one and, and moving into season two. So uh, thank you for selling us out. Selling us out like three weeks before the <laughs> yeah, show. so awesome. So exciting. Thank you, New Yorkers. Um, and for those of you who do have tickets, we are so excited to see you there mm-hmm. for those of you who don't don't fret we will get a chance to share space with you fangs with you <laughs> all that good stuff very very soon um, yeah yeah thank you so much for joining us for this first season it has been such a pleasure it really has till next time Ow. Ow. you said but I can't make them make sense I face nightmares every night but now I wanna run instead from what will come what will come if our world belongs to them what will come what will come Ah. just keep fighting just keep fighting that's what i'm supposed to do if i just keep fighting just keep fighting maybe i'll believe it too when you sat there on the bed looking scared looking ahead shake the things you'd seen and it woke me when you said what will come what will come if our world belongs to them what will come what will come just keep fighting just keep fighting that's what I'm supposed to If I just keep fighting
What does feminism mean to you? During Women's History Month, come explore feminism and how it's playing out in real life with season two of Thread the Needle, a monthly podcast. I'm your host, Donna Schill. I use my background in journalism and draw on women's life experiences to add to the conversation on topics that matter to fellow feminists like you. Now in its second season, listen to new episodes each month as we explore finding yourself through divorce, battling call-out culture, questioning our ideas about masculinity, and discovering why girls' confidence plummets in their preteens. Guests include Stephanie Kuntz, historian and author of Marriage, a History, April White, author of Divorce Colony, and Loretta Ross, professor on white supremacy and call-out culture at Smith College. Listen to Thread the Needle on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.